How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Monday evening, which means we were supposed to be less than 48 hours away from the beginning of the annual free agency frenzy, but 2019 decided to have a little bit of a different feel to it as news has been breaking all day long. I tweeted out that the Bears have been quiet, and they proved me wrong making two signings right before we went live. So a couple of questions to kind of start off this show. Which players will the Bears bring into town to further bolster this already deep roster? Will they just add some supplemental pieces, or does Ryan Pace have another trick up his sleeve? We're about to find out. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to our 2019 Chicago Bears free agency primer and also in a reaction show, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I have Nicholas Moriano, Brandon Hazlett, and Will Ingles. Guys, I want to know, do you find it refreshing knowing that the Bears really don't need to go out there and land multiple big names in free agency for the first time in what feels like a millennia? It is refreshing knowing that the Bears don't have to do that, but as we've just learned, what, in the last maybe 10 to 15 minutes... There's some unknown names that come up, and you're just kind of uncertain what the Bears are actually going to do. When you know that they have to go out and get big free agents, you're expecting these big splash players to come in and make you know contributions. This year, we just have no idea. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, I uh, I feel kind of the same way. I like I don't think we need the big splash guys. I think it's just really uh, depth pieces and stopgap guys. I think a lot of this is just going to have to uh, fall into the draft as far as uh, replacement pieces. Uh, looking long term, I don't see any real need to sign any big splash term guys or, or long term guys out of this free agency class. Well, the question was, are you excited that the Bears don't have to do that for the first time? Uh, well, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably say I mean, I'm ex- go, ahead. go ahead, Will. I'd probably say I'm excited, um, but probably an interesting thing for me is that it's not as much who we're bringing in, but it's actually that we have to keep people from walking. Uh, I remember having to study up on uh, compensatory draft picks because I was talking to my friend. I was like, I'm not used to other teams wanting to sign our players. It's been a while since that's been a problem. So not only am I excited that we aren't exactly having to play in these sweepstakes, which as we saw today, and we might mention some other free agents who are assigned just to massive contracts. Free agency is a time where everyone gets a little bit overpaid, if not grossly overpaid. And while it's not as maybe fun during this week, um, it's a lot more relaxing in a lot of ways that we aren't having to worry about that. 
Absolutely. But guys, like I said, we had a few extra pieces thrown into the fire right before we went live. So let's go ahead and begin with uh, those two bits of relatively breaking news here. And let's start with the offensive player that the Bears decided to bring into town. It looks like they have come to terms um, on a deal with running back Mike Davis out of Seattle, uh, who... Nick, I know you've been watching a little bit of film on him. I'm learning as we go, which is kind of our forte here on the show. We are those instant reaction kind of guys. And when I'm looking at Mike Davis here, he has uh, four years under his belt, two at San Francisco, two in Seattle, uh, less than 1,000 yards to his name, only 862 total yards on the ground, five career rushing touchdowns, four of which came last year, which is his best year. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry, uh, the 514 yards on 112 rushing attempts. He also did add over 200 yards as a receiver on 34 catches. And I know it's pretty early here, and we'll have some stronger opinions as we go through this offseason. But as of right now, Nick, where do you see Mike Davis fitting on this team? He's a guy that's going to be able to come down in third down packages and be able to block or be that pass catching running back that, you know, Nagy's been looking for. Benny Cunningham was that guy maybe a year ago. Didn't really do much this past season, but I think that's where you're going to see him. uh, Mike Davis really take that role and being that third down back because no, by no means do I see Mike Davis being the feature back of the Chicago bears. We were just talking before we went live. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. If that was the case, the Bears have an issue. But I think this is a guy where you can you can trust him in those situations where you, obviously Jordan Howard's a very polarizing figure right now. We don't know what's going to be his future in maybe the next couple of weeks. But on third down situations, there be times where Jordan Howard's not on the field because he's not a pass catching option out of the backfield, even though he has worked on his hands as we saw in Bourbonade this past uh, season. But I think Mike Davis can maybe add that element to to the offense now, being that third down back who's going to be able to block, who's going to be able to pass catch. But by no means do I see him being the feature back. Just watching you know, some film right here, um, last year he had uh, over 100 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you see some elusiveness to him. He runs with some power. But, I mean, this is a really early assessment of Mike Davis because prior to the news breaking, what, maybe 20 minutes ago now, you're linking Mike Davis uh, – let me go to do a Google search real quick because it's not a name you're really familiar with. So not the feature back, but I can see why Matt Nagy made this move. Maybe there's a future bigger move down down the road or something like that. Real quick, do you see him like fighting through a lot of contact, being a tough runner? Because what I see here, at least for the uh, pro football focus, is advanced stats. 329 of his 514 rushing yards came after contact last year. Yeah, no, you see that in his film. Um, He is a tough runner. He's not going to be one of those guys where it's just a little wimpy arm tackle. He's going to fight through it. And again, still really early on, but from just a couple plays that I'm watching in this Arizona Cardinals game right now, you can see that he has some pop to him, which is what you want to see, especially if he's the guy that's going to come down in those third yardage, short yardage situations. You want to be moving forward, just like Jordan Howard does. He does that very well. But yeah, so far... So good. I'm seeing that from Mike Davis, and that's exactly what you want to see out of those guys. It's probably going to be his primary role in that third down uh, situation. 
What about you, Brandon? What's your early takeaway here of Mike Davis? It just appears like this is the player to take over that Benny Cunningham role that we've seen over the last two years, but probably to a more effective degree. Yeah, I would say that he's going to take over more of the uh, Taquan Mazzell role rather than Benny Cunningham. I don't think that we're going to bring in another running back to fill in the Cunningham role. Uh, so I'd just see him really feeling the or taking a Mazzell spot here uh, because, I mean, we or Nick talked about a little bit how he's, he's a power runner. Uh, you guys talked about it, power runner, which is good. But what concerns me is if he had over 100 yards in one game, uh, that's a fifth of his season right there in one game. He only had 514 yards on the ground uh, for the 2018 season. So that tells me that he's going to definitely be more of a rotational piece. Uh, and, and he's young, so he's still got a lot of miles to go on him, uh, which is also another good thing. He's got some longevity to him, even though we only signed him the two years. But uh, I'm not really blown away by this one. The running back position, like Nick said, is just a polarizing position at the moment. Uh, so at the moment, I'm trying to stay very neutral about Mike Davis, but there's nothing negative I have uh, you know, researched on him so far that makes me think that this is a bad signing. Will, can you get me excited about Mike Davis? One thing I would say to get you excited is that a lot of the success came in that shotgun spread out formation that the Bears love to be in. They love to get spread out. And that's exactly where a lot of Mike Davis's highlights come from at this point. And as a Bears fan, that has to make you excited because Nagy likes to get that box cleared out. For whatever reason, last season, Howard kind of struggled to get going in those situations. But Mike Davis, with what, if you ask me, is a much lower octane offense in Seattle, a team that is much more geared towards running the ball. Uh, he was still able to have some success in those situations. I think that the Bears offensive line and Bears offense as a whole demands a lot more out of opposing defenses. This ought to only increase the success rate of Mike Daniels running in those shotgun formations. Additionally, I think he's, he's very solid with field vision. Uh, I really like what he does, uh, like I mentioned, in those shotgun formations. He's really good at seeing that one hole or one crease uh, at the point of attack. And those are also apparent in a lot of the quick screen games, which – the only thing I haven't really gotten to see so far out of uh, out of our uh, new signed new signed running back in Mark, Mike Davis is that he hasn't shown a whole lot of variance and pass routes to this point. I've only seen him do a lot of screen games, so that'll be something more that film study will reveal later on. But obviously, as a Benny Cunningham type player, you want him to do more than just flare out and screen uh, and screen passes as well. So, but so far. Solid look so far, especially as a third down back. Nothing to be upset about, but like like we all mentioned at this point, he's not the feature back, and people in Chicago expecting him to be that should probably relax a little bit because we didn't bring him in for that. Exactly. Good points there. So, Nick, I saw you that your eyes were pretty much still glued to your television set. I'm assuming you're still watching a little bit of that film on Davis. Is there anything else that you saw that maybe you want to bring to the table here? You know, actually, I just switched from the Mike Davis uh, film and went to the Buster Scrine film. So once I get uh, into – once the Jets get on defense, I'll be able to definitely elaborate on that. But nothing that we haven't talked about. Uh, when you when Will was talking about him running with that, that force set, just being a strong runner, just saw him run over about two guys there and then eventually getting tackled. I mean, that's what he's bringing to the table. And that's exactly what the Bears are going to need, especially where I think – where we all really assess where he's going to be utilized, those third-down situations. So nothing yet, and 
just waiting for the Jets to hopefully get a three and out here so I can see the Buster Scrine film in a well, few seconds. There you go. <laughs> I really need to get a spoiler alert button on this soundboard because as soon as you said Buster Scrine, I wanted to play it, but I didn't have it. So let's go ahead and talk about the Bears' new slot cornerback, Buster Scrine. And, Nick, I hate to keep pestering you so early in the show, but you and I were talking about him before we went live, and there was a really good quote from head coach Matt Nagy about Scrine that I think we should kick off this conversation with. That would be a great thing to kick it off with if I could just find the quote. So how about you give me a second here to go on our Twitter page? Because I definitely retweeted on there. Then I can definitely let you know that. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. I figured with that long. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to have it. Um, so this was uh, Matt Nagy in October. And this is from Adam Johns from Sun-Times. Uh, so he said, Matt Nagy, he's one of the better nickels in this league, if not the best. I mean, he's good. He's a good nickel in there. I mean, I guess, look, now this move, when you see that Matt Nagy already had an assessment on Buster Scrine, and obviously the Bears played the Jets last season, he had, look, this is really high praise from Matt Nagy coming from, uh, you know, just obviously being the coach of the year, seeing this another player on the opposing defense who he had to game plan for. And look, that's some high praise coming to Buster Scrine, and now he is going to be on the Chicago Bears, presumably going to be taking Bryce Callahan's position just because, I don't know if the Bears are going to be able to sign Bryce Callahan, especially with the market being set as it was with uh, the Detroit Lions earlier today signing Justin Coleman to a four-year, $36 million deal. So it looks like Buster Scrine's obviously going to be that nickel corner. And like like we, like I just read, Nagy has a, a good assessment of him. So I st- we still got to see what the film brings and what it shows about him. But, hey, if Nagy likes him, obviously the Bears made the move to go get him. I guess right now I'm okay with the move. I can't really say that for certain, but Nagy's fine with it, so I think he's going to add some value to the Bears. Okay, so when I'm looking at Buster's screen here, one thing that jumps out that alarms me that I'm going to call actually a red flag, which those are words I don't say in this podcast a lot. Um, last year, out of all nickel corners, he gave up the seventh highest passer rating when targeted, all the way at 126 Point three, he gave up. To, uh, let's see, uh, one twenty-eight point two actually gets worse. Jumped the line in my head, so he's actually sixth. Uh, he gave up. Ooh, he was targeted sixty-two times, only forty-seven catches allowed there, but five hundred and thirty-seven yards. He allowed five touchdowns last year and didn't have a pick. Will does that uh, concern you as much as it does me on the surface? Yeah, those stats don't look good. Uh, not at all. Uh, you have to keep in mind, though, that as a slot corner, you're going to be allowing um, – you have the hardest routes to cover because those are the receivers most often aligned to be going across the field. Now, if you look at it, um, those aren't massive chunks of yards being ripped off, uh, which is which is at least some positive thing. That's one thing that you want to be able to limit as a slot corner is at least those big plays, especially like I mentioned on those crossing routes, because those are those are plays that can really start burning your defense if you aren't uh, right on top of your technique and your guy. So the stats, yes, they're concerning, but I feel like slot corner stats are really hard to gauge at the same time. A single look at Bryce Callahan's stats, unless you're going into really advanced metrics, you wouldn't know that Bryce Callahan's the, one of the best slot corners in the game because he doesn't have a ton of passes defended. He doesn't have a ton of picks. He doesn't have a ton of tackles either. But it's just something you have to gauge a lot through film. So going in on Buster Scrine a whole lot right now, it's difficult. I would say he's definitely a downgrade um, to Bryce Callahan. Um, but to mention, um, Benjamin Albright just recently tweeted out that there are currently six teams in the bidding war for Bryce Callahan. 
So at the very least, it seems like Pace is at least getting a guy who's serviceable, a guy who can perhaps do something a little bit more than Sherrick McManus, a guy who has at least gotten a little bit more experience playing that slot corner role than McManus, who has almost exclusively been a special teamer throughout his career. Not saying he didn't fill in admirably, but at the very least, Scrine might be that guy who can have that pass defense on fourth and two in that wild card game. Yeah, what I see here from the difference that what really alarms me is probably the plus 50 passer rating allowed between the two. Because last year, Bryce Callahan was all the way down at a 78.9, which, of course, we talked about that all of last season, just how well he was playing. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And then for it to jump up to 128, so that's a, that's a 50-point difference there. That's alarming. Brandon, I'm just curious to your early take here on Buster Scrine. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Will on this one. He kind of swayed me a little bit because when I look at his stats, like nothing really stands out. Uh, you know, for his career, he probably averages high 50s, you know, a year per tackles, uh, for tackles. So he's he gets targeted a lot because he's got to be able to make all these tackles, uh, for one thing. So it's good that he's able to wrap these guys up and not allow the big plays uh, after the catch. Uh, but as far as passive defense goes, another thing that really concerns me because he's had 18 twice in his career when he was with Cleveland back in 2014 and 2013. And then that number just drops significantly, uh, I mean, down to eight passes defense in 2018, and he bounced around between nine and seven in that uh, time that he's been with the Jets. So it's uh, it's concerning, and especially the stats you threw out there, the you know the pass rating goes up 50 points between Callahan and Scrine, but I, uh, I think this is one of those deals where uh, Pace is just making sure that he's got his butt covered just in case he can't bring back Callahan because we know that the cap room's really tight this year. So I, I don't see this as necessarily a, a bad move. Uh, if he's a guy that's that's really going to tackle and not allow the uh, the yards after the catch to be uh, a big deal, then I'm okay with it. But it's uh, nickel. The nickel corner is is really tough position to gauge. So I don't really know how to initially take it uh, without really diving into more film. But it's uh, concerning. Uh, I'll say to start this free agency period with the Buster screen here. Uh, just probably looking... one more note. Go ahead. Um... Uh, looking at the initial uh, announcement that Buster Scrine was signed, there were a lot of Jets fans who said, uh, and he somehow still drew a holding penalty on the play. So something also to probably look at is how many plays he's getting flagged on. I saw that uh, in my initial research right before he went live. He led the team last year with penalties, and I believe he got called on seven last year. Yes, he led the team in penalties with seven, three of which were defensive pass interference last year. Again, he was targeted 67 times, so he does have a large sample size to kind of go with, but that's another kind of alarming fact here as we kind of dig in with the Buster Scrine. Uh, something I did notice is that he is an effective blitzing cornerback, which I know with Chuck Pagano and how aggressive he is, that's something that we should mention. And if you want to kind of gauge how effective he'll be, he actually has the same exact stat line as Sherrick McManus from last year, which is one sack, two hits, five hurries, and eight total pressures on the year. Again, nothing that's going to make you you know, really stand up and get super excited about the guy, but the, it is an element of his game that I'm assuming with P- Pagano is going to become even 
more important. Nick, how about you? I'm gonna. I, I gave you some time to finally collect some thoughts. What is your early analysis of Scrine? Yeah, I'm watching some tape on here, and you just mentioned blitzing. He actually just blitzed on back-to-back plays, similar to what you would see from Bryce Callahan coming off the edge um, where he's faking like he's in coverage but coming at the last second. Did it pretty effectively. Didn't get to Matthew Stafford, of course, against uh, the Lions here. But um, there's another play where he's supposed to pick up the, the running back going on a wheel route, flips the hips pretty nicely. He's able to stay in coverage. The ball doesn't get thrown to the running back. But if it was, Scrine was actually in coverage on that play. So I've seen some things I like so far. Again, very early assessment, but I can see um, how he can fit in this defense, especially with what Callahan did, being an effective blitzer, being someone who can cover people. Obviously, you're taking a dip down in production. Um, just looking, and I don't really like to use PFF to assess players, especially um, because these these stats are so skewed, but because it's the early assessment of it, you look at what Buster Scrine's uh, coverage um, stats were this in 2018, 50.8 as opposed to Bryce Callahan's, and he had a 81.3. So you see the dip in production there. And look, Callahan, he's going to get paid to be one of the better nickel corners in the league, and for good reason. He's been really good for the Bears. But we'll have to wait and see with uh, Buster Scrine. I think that Pagano, we've got to remember, he has that background with coaching DBs. I think if there's a guy that can really elevate the play of some defensive backs, and especially guys that have been iffy in their career – I'd go with Pagano being that guy that can do it. He's had familiarity with just in his NFL coaching career and, you know, just his football career, just coaching. I think he can get the best out of Buster Scrine, especially being around good defenders. You know, he's going to want to raise that elevation or just raise his level of play. So early on, I've seen some things that Callahan did for the Bears defense. Obviously, he'll be able to do that. He was doing it with the Jets. He was targeted a lot. The Jets didn't have the best offense, so the defense was out there for long periods of time. You're going to target, you're not going to target Jamal Adams. You're going to target the weakest guy, the weakest link. Maybe that is Buster Scrine. Maybe he elevates his play in Chicago. It's yet to be seen. So, uh, any like the negative kind of things from maybe Bears fans or anything like that, I'd hold it for now. Let's see what ends up happening, see what the coaching uh, can do for him. And yeah, we'll have to see. But it will be a dip down for Bryce Callahan because he is one of the better nickel corners in the league. Will, I wanted to go to you. Nick mentioned that dip down from Bryce Callahan. Can this defense. Uh, overcome that they absolutely can uh pass rush solves a lot of problems uh and we saw that quarterbacks were under duress a lot of the time so we didn't see we didn't see this massive uptick in Bryce Callahan's production in 2015 2016 2017 we knew he was good but he wasn't one of the elite nickel quarters until this season partially because that's the spotlight the Bears defense got but a lot of that is because it was the best uh best pass rush we've had since he's been a Chicago Bear uh, starting in 2015. So that's an important thing to note. So a big pass rush is a large help for any nickel corner, any DB in general. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. However, it's not going to be quite as, I wouldn't say vanilla, I would say conservative as Fangio's defense. He's not going to have as many easy coverage assignments as perhaps a Fangio defense would have for him. He's going to be put on an island a lot but on the offhand, that means that the pressure is supposed to get home sooner. So it's a bit of a trade-off with that. I think overall, this defense elevates a lot of people's play. And I do expect that we will see that with Scrine as well. Of course, as Nick said, this is a kind of a wait-and-see. 
One thing I'd also like to add on to Scrine is that he was uh, restructured or released, so that doesn't count towards uh, the potential compensatory picks that the Bears would get in 2020, which is important to note, especially when we're thinking that Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos might be walking out the door. That could net two-fourths, maybe one-third and one-fourth, especially with what the nickel market is at this point. The Bears very well could get a third for Callahan and a fourth for Adrian Amos, so important to see who the Bears are bringing in for that even though it's not quite pertinent as far as time is concerned, it's important as a draft capital moving forward. Patience, patience. It all come, it all come back together. Hopefully, uh, B. I want to go over to you. Anything else on Scrime before we move forward to what we actually plan to talk about in today's show? About <laughs> uh, Scrime, not really. I'm actually looking at other guys uh, because you guys have really talked me out of him really wanting to be a decent starter. So I'm already looking at other corners to see who else is out there. All right. Well, guys, I'm ready to dive into what we plan for in today's podcast again. Uh, the two signings that happened moments before we went live, Buster Scrine and Mike Davis. Davis. Yes. All right. I got it down. I, I didn't. I was looking at my notes like, I see Mark Ingram, and that is not who we signed. So it's, uh, <laughs> but I do want to start with offense, and this is probably the worst transition that I've ever had in the podcast, but with uh, accidentally mentioning Mark Ingram. Let's go ahead and start with offense, and let's begin at running back, because even though that the Bears did sign Mike Davis, there we go. Whew, I'm going to make sure I get that name down before the end of the, I keep wanting to say like Mark Adams for some reason. It's not even close. I don't get it. But anyway, Mike Davis, he signed. That doesn't mean that the Bears are done signing running backs, whether it be through the drafts or free agency. So I want to go ahead and circle around to um, some news that broke earlier today, and that's that the Bears and Packers are both showing interest in veteran running back Mark Ingram. The 29-year-old back, he has over 6,000 career rushing yards. He averages 4.5 yards per carry and to go along with nearly 1,600 yards receiving and 55 total touchdowns in his career. And last year, after serving suspension to begin, he did run for 645 yards and six touchdowns in 12 games down there in New Orleans. And I did see that most of the fan base would be glad to have him on the team, but there's also a decent amount of people who do question it, just stating that he's an older, more expensive version of Jordan Howard. So, guys, my question to kind of kick off this conversation is, uh, would you bring Mark Ingram on a deal, and is the comparison to Howard valid or not? And let's go to Nick first. So I think the comparison to Howard is valid in terms of runners. I think that when you look at Jordan Howard and Mark Ingram, yes, as a running back, being able to do what they do in the open field as runners, yes. But in terms of the passing game, I don't think it's fair to say that Howard and Ingram are the same. Howard, uh, for the most, I don't think he's gotten over, I think, 30 receptions in a season, and that would have been his uh, you know, rookie year. Mark Ingram in 2017, when he was a pro bowler, he had 58 receptions. The year before that in 2016, 46 receptions. And even 2018, he had 21 receptions, which was one more than Jordan Howard. But here's the thing. I think a lot of Bears fans are really focused on bringing in a running back that can contribute in the passing game. And that's valid. But you already have Tariq Cohen. That is your running back that's going to exploit mismatches against linebackers and just, you know, a, a defense in the passing game. What the Bears need to do, whether they bring a Mark Ingram, uh, there's other guys that have been tied to the Bears, they need to have a running back that can run the ball but also be a viable option in the passing game if need be. And that's where I think Mark Ingram is an upgrade over Jordan Howard. Yes, he's older. He has more mileage, um, things like that. He's a comparable runner, but he is a viable option in the passing game. I'm not saying that 
this is okay. Now Mark Ingram is going to exploit a linebacker one on one. No, just if you have uh, Mark Ingram and Tariq Cohen in the backfield, well, you don't necessarily know if one of these guys is going to run the ball or if one of them is going to go out for a catch. So that's where I think you add value to this offense, just keeping defenses guessing as opposed to when Howard and Cohen were out there. You know, most likely Cohen's going to go out for the catch and Howard's going to go for the run. That's just how it was. So I think that's where the, there's the big difference between a Mark Ingram and a Jordan Howard. What about you, Will? I'm curious your thoughts about the potential of Mark Ingram in this offense. I agree with a lot of what Nick said. The only part that really worries me is that uh, he's right around that magical wall of 30 years of age for a running back. Uh, and there's no way that Mark Ingram at this point in his career is only going to sign uh, a one-year deal. It's probably going to be a two- to three-year deal. How that would be structured out, you don't know. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are kind of disgruntled by the fact that Howard's like pay raise uh, because of his late-round performance. He's going to be paid around $2 million this year instead of what a normal fifth-round pick would be paying being paid around this time. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Ingram's going to get paid sizably more than that. I think at the very, very least, $4 million a year, and I imagine some incentives would be based in that as well. So that has me worried because I do think he is a better version of Jordan Howard. As Nick very uh, astutely pointed out, uh, he is a at least a threat from the backfield as far as a passing attack is concerned, which is absolutely key. If teams believe he might go out for a pass, then that, that at least flexes out the defense to some way, shape, or form. And at the very least, those assignments are going through linebackers and defensive backs' heads as the play goes on slowing reaction time every single millisecond counts in an NFL play. That's important. But like I say, it's it's a little bit scary to be investing that kind of money in a player who really might go down very bad uh, as far as athletic skill and ability at age 30, just because it's happened to so many people in the past. Yeah, no, that's very good points that you bring up, Mr. Ingles. What about you, B? Anything else on Ingram that you want to mention? I, I like what Will said. Uh, you know, that, that magical age of 30 for running backs, you know, and, and with any position, it doesn't have to just be running back as polarizing as this position is uh, this year. Uh, if you have a chance to upgrade, then I, I think you should do it. But frankly, I think the money and free agency can be spent better than on a Mark Ingram because uh, I think some of that can come down to coaching too. You know, uh, we've seen Jordan Howard's hands improve, and that was something we noted early in the preseason and in the season, and he just never got the amount of touches we thought he should get uh, rushing the ball, let alone receiving the ball. So, his, you know, Jordan Howard's hands have improved a little bit, I think, uh, from what they were his his first couple years. And I think with a little more exposure to this offense, that's something he can work on. And I think that we might be better off improving the running back position uh, a year from now rather than than this year. But I I feel very strongly both ways. I hate to sit here and say that about like the third guy we've talked about now because uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm not adding much value. But regardless, I mean, if if uh, Ryan Pace thinks that this is the opportunity to upgrade the position now. Uh, then, then go ahead and do it. But I don't see a, a long-term fix here. But that's also hard to do with running back. Yeah, it's a very tricky position to get right here in the NFL. Obviously, the Bears are going to go by a committee approach, uh, which obviously that's what you're going to see with uh, Mike Davis. Got it. Bingo. Uh, here in the fold. So moving on, there's also been some more rumors about the Bears and Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, he'd be very, very expensive, but the Bears so far have gone pretty cheap. So maybe this could be one of the moves that Ryan Pace is uh, gearing up for. So my question for this is who buys Le'Veon Bell and who does not buy any of the reports coming through today? Let's go reverse order. Brandon, you're up. 
Yeah, I'm selling the Le'Veon Bell thing here, uh, just for the same reason for Mark Ingram. I mean, Bell is a, obviously an upgrade, uh, but I think there can be money spent uh, other positions that would improve the roster in other ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm selling Le'Veon Bell news. What about you, Will? I sell the news, but I can see I can see Ryan Pace potentially calling and seeing what the availability would be. Uh, it's he just hamstrings so much in the especially coming up when you have players like Cohen, Trubisky, Eddie Jackson. A lot of these guys are going to be coming up for paydays. You don't want to as much fun as it would be to have a dynamic running back like Le'Veon Bell on this offense. You would be making things very complicated moving forward, and I'm not sure. It's- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it quite worth that you have the locker room fit uh especially with him sitting out last season some players applauded it some players did not uh it's you're gambling a lot here for a player that may or may not work out may or may not really cost you a lot of your core moving forward i don't buy the report at the end of the day i just don't think that the ryan pace is willing to capsize what little cap space he has left and uh, what little wiggle room he has left all on one player who like i said isn't exactly in the best graces with all the players in the NFL. And he doesn't want to spoil the locker room that he has right now because we saw it last year. It's a pretty powerful locker room. What about you, Mr. Moriano? You know, Le'Veon Bell, would he make this offense better? Absolutely. But do I actually see Le'Veon Bell being on the Bears? Probably not. When you think about it, Le'Veon Bell's a guy that over the course of his career has been a focal point of an offense he's going to get a lot of carries a lot of receptions and that's just not how Matt Nagy's system works he likes to spread the ball out across you know whether it's receivers or the running backs so I don't think that that's going to be an option for the Bears when Le'Veon Bell is a guy that's usually been a focal point and he's been a year removed from football I'm sure he's going to be in great shape to whatever team signs him I just don't think it's going to be the Bears they don't have I don't think they have the cap right now if you were to somehow sign him you would have to get a lot of that guaranteed money out of the way before, like Will Ingles just mentioned, you know, Trubisky's up for contract, A. Jackson's up for contract. Like those guys, you would need to get Le'Veon Bell's guaranteed money out of the way so then you can even think about, you know, re-signing the other guys in the future. Le'Veon Bell, great player, would absolutely fit in this offense, but I just don't see this being the big move that I think Ryan Pace is going to make at some point. I just don't think it's going to be Le'Veon Bell, though. All right, guys, I'm curious, is there, are there any other running backs that we haven't talked about yet today? Obviously, uh, Mike Davis is off the board because he is now going to be becoming a Chicago Bear. But do you have any other running backs that are going to be still on your radar, taking the Davis signing um, into account here? And let's go back to Nick first because he's thinking very hard. So I guess this – well, he was used as a running back at you know New England – Cordell Patterson, you know, obviously he's a kick returner, but he was used. He was kind of switched over to be a running back, wide receiver, kick returner. But that's actually a guy that I would like to see the Bears go out and just kind of look into seeing what uh, they can sign him for. The Packers are also also interested. Be a nice way to just take another player from the Packers like the Bears have done all last season. But that's a guy that would make sense, especially maybe not 
uh, at the running back position. You can use him in some trick plays. I'm sure Matt Nagy would love to do that, but he's a kick returner. He's a good one, too. In 2018, he averaged 28.8 yards per kick return. That was third in the league and tied for fifth in return yards with 663. The Bears were 30th in kick return yards. They do not have a kick returner on this roster. The best one was Tariq Cohen, and he got one shot at it in the playoff game against the Eagles. So that's a guy. I know it doesn't really fit the running back position, but he played running back a little bit. Cordell Patterson's a guy that I would like to see the Bears look further into, maybe possibly signing him to you know a team-friendly deal. Obviously, he's going to want to make some money, but that's a guy that I would definitely look into. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Patterson, he's only 27 years old, and you mentioned the huge need that the Bears have at the kick returner position. And you mentioned it, the Bears were 30th um, in kick return yards. They were dead last on average, only averaging 19.8 yards per kick return, which is nine less than Patterson had by himself last year in New England. Imagine giving Matt Nagy's offense, on average, an extra nine yards to play with every time a team kicks you the ball. That's a huge bonus. It's a great benefit. Obviously, they need to figure out the kicker situation to make sure that they can capitalize uh, if they aren't able to punch it in. But still, from a special team standpoint, if you can get a guy that can potentially give this offense a free nine yards each and every time a team kicks the ball our way, that's huge. And that's exactly why I have Patterson on my list as well. And that hybrid role, like you said, he's kind of lined up everywhere for New England. It's kind of hard to really uh, pigeonhole him into any one position right now. But let's go over to Will Ingles. Uh, do you have any other running backs that you think are worth mentioning on the this podcast now, knowing that we have uh, Mike Davis on board? The only running back that I was really looking at um, that was realistic, obviously, Tevin Coleman is is probably the best fit overall, but I think he's another guy kind of like Bell where the budget just will not make sense uh, at this point. Uh, I would say TJ Yeldon's kind of the guy that I'm looking at, but we were kind of talking about it earlier. He It doesn't seem like he's the number one guy. He's not your lead back in even a committee, if you ask me. So I think things get a little bit more complicated. I also think that the skill sets between him, Mike Davis, I was almost going to call him Mark Davis. You heard me stumble over his name earlier when we were talking. So, Will, I feel your pain on that. Um, and I also feel like him and uh, Cohen also share like a few that kind of more pass-centric running back. So TJ Yeldon, before the Davis signing, I think, made a lot of sense. I still don't think he'd be a bad addition, but at that point you kind of got three running backs that do the same thing overall. That's not to say Nagy doesn't get creative and couldn't make a lethal combination out of motioning those guys in and out of the backfield. Um, But overall, it's kind of hard to see anyone left in free agency to take that feature role um, outside of maybe a Mark Ingram who kind of can be a feature-ish back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. See, the more you talk about a feature back, though, and again, we've talked about this off and on this offseason, I don't know if the Bears are going to have one next year. I really think they're just going to split it up uh, however they want to on a game-by-game basis, depending on the matchups that they believe that they can exploit, which maybe is a reason why they can still get a lower-tier guy like a, a C.J. Anderson, a Spencer Ware, maybe who I call a poor man's Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray. I mean, he's not as uh, sexy as Ingram, and even Ingram isn't, and this is obviously in a pure football standpoint, but he isn't a, like a wow kind of guy either. He's durable, he's sturdy, he can get the job done. But those are just three names that I have. Again, Anderson, uh, he proved last year with the Rams that he's still very capable of taking over some games, being an impactful running back. Spencer Ware, uh, he, obviously he knows Matt Nagy pretty well from his time in Kansas City. That's a big plus with that familiarity. And like I said, Latavius Murray, we had him up in Minnesota for a couple of years, and we we know like he's not going to be a world beater but by any means but he can 
do what's needed in a certain game plan to make people miss. He averaged uh, 4.1 yards per carry uh, over his career for 3,700 rushing yards, and he also has nearly 1,000 receiving yards and 34 total touchdowns. He's been around. He can get the job done. Again, none of these guys uh, wow me. I'm sure I'm not wowing you uh, with just the few stats I'm throwing out here, but, again, they're going to go by a per-committee approach, and, again, they can still do this through the draft, but if you're looking at free agency as a way to supplement Either of these three guys would make sense in their own right in this rotation. But what about you, Brandon? Any other running backs? Brandon, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. It looks like the Jets are going to sign Josh Bellamy. So wow, weird. Yeah. So <laughs> and I saw that. I'm like, it kind of hit me a little bit because I've been wanting. We've all been wanting Josh Bellamy out for a long time. Then he, you know, kind of <laughs> goes and refines his skills. But yeah, that's uh. So I think look, Kevin White's going to be out. Josh Bellamy's likely going to be out. The Bears are going to look – they need to add another receiver on this roster, I would think, uh, just because with uh, having the lack of depth there. But, yeah, that one that was a little surprising to see that Josh Bellamy might be out. Josh Bellamy getting a contract before free agency actually begins. Is this real life? Yeah. The Jets are close to a deal with former Bears wide, former Bears wide receiver Josh Bellamy. Source set Ian Rappaport. So I wanted to bring that up before uh, uh, you give out your, your running backs there, Brandon. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, real quick, too, about fine. Bellamy. Hold on, Brandon. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get to you at running backs now. But with Bellamy, I mean, we have to say something about it. I just feel like, obviously, he's going to be missing that locker room because he was one of those glue guys, the people who everyone – uh, related with he's always having fun he's connecting to players in all these different positions uh, he always likes to photobomb quarterbacks in the background if you ever look through all the club dub photos uh, throughout the season but Josh Bellamy again like you said Nick in years past this would have been no news we wouldn't even mentioned it really on the podcast but uh, for his special teams value that means the Bears need to go find another core special teams player to take that role and then even though he didn't have a bunch of uh, impact as receiver uh, when he was out there he was someone that was often overlooked by defenses. Uh, he was able to become a serviceable guy in a very small role, but still serviceable at that. So, Josh Bellamy, you will be missed. Uh, and good luck to you in New York with the Jets. And, Brandon, do you have any running backs? <laughs> well, we didn't have to really come to me for running backs. So I really don't have any. I was going to say Tevin Coleman as well, like Will Ingles said. Uh, but just another guy, since we're uh, looking at receiving backs and also now with the, the Josh Bellamy news, would be another guy I guess to really keep a closer eye on would be Ty Montgomery. Uh, former wide receiver, gone running back, but can still do both, I think. I uh, haven't really kept up with him since he left for Baltimore, but that's just another guy uh, that could, could fill multiple roles uh, for a, a cheap price, I think, because he hasn't really been all that productive in, in Baltimore, if I haven't really heard his name, I don't think. So uh, I think that that would be a, a name to at least keep uh, an eye on. I don't necessarily know that that's a, a good fit, but I think he fits the, the mold of what some of these uh, fans and media uh, members are saying about what needs to be here as far as a running back goes. All right. Let's go to wide receiver. I didn't have anything besides Patterson. Uh, looking at the rest of the actual wide receiver free agency class, nobody really gets me excited. I'm not a big fan of the whole uh, the, well, the class as a whole. They're very underwhelming. I'm just curious if you guys have anybody. I have one name, and it's still a very big maybe, but let's go over to Will Ingles. Do you have any possible wide receivers, or do you want me to move up to Nick? Move up to Nick. Nick, wideouts, anybody. I I pass to uh, Brandon. <laughs> Is Deontay Thompson the only one worth bringing back? Uh, I, I, know, I see. I mean, Don, he was with Don Buffalo, Trill. but that's kick, a kick returner. 
He was well, solid. I was, I was thinking he would fill that, that Josh Bellamy role, uh, Deontay Thompson would, because, I mean, he's not a top-of-the-depth chart guy, but Dontre Lemon was a number two with the Colts, so I think he may ask for a little bit more than you know a position we're willing to give him because we have our top three already filled out. The only guy that I was actually considering, and then I said no, was DeAnthony Thomas. Um, he has had some injuries over his career with the Chiefs. Obviously a guy, a lot of speed. I think he broke actually both of his legs or something like that in back-to-back years, something like that. So, And then I'm like, no, that's that's probably not going to be an option for um, the Bears. But they do – they have given, you know, prove-it contracts to players that have been injured or have just been – maybe former first-round picks that just haven't panned out. So I'm expecting Ryan Pace to give it to somebody, one of those one-year prove-it deals to one of those players that has either just had some injuries over the course of their career mm-hmm. or just haven't panned out. Um, I expect someone to do that for, like, a, a Kevin White. So, I mean, I would definitely expect Ryan Pace to do that for, for somebody, but I don't know if that's going to come at the running back position. But like you said, Will, overall as a group, nothing really stands out. Does anybody have any instant thoughts or feelings on my one player I listed? And, again, even that's a very low maybe, and that's Chris Conley out of Kansas City. 104 catches over four years. He knows Matt Nagy. Uh, He could be cheap depth. He's only 26. He still averages over 10 yards per catch in that career on over the 100 catches. I don't have a problem with it, but does it really move the needle in my opinion? Your needle's not moving? Yeah, no, my needle's pretty, pretty stagnant. Sounds like no, a personal I, I problem. I think I read it. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about football, right? <laughs> Last time I checked. <laughs> but Chris Conley, uh, I was I did read up a little bit on him. He was in the same article with D. Anthony Thomas. Um, they're saying that the reason why they're not bringing him back, um, he he did have an ACL injury, and ever since then he wasn't able to separate, wasn't able to create that separation to get you know open, and didn't have that same speed what they were looking for when uh, he got drafted. So um, if those are still plaguing him now, obviously you want this offense with guys that can get open and create space and, you know, just produce. Don't know if Chris Conley is going to be the guy, but the Bears are going to have to go and obviously draft a receiver brings one of these guys in because you're losing Kevin White and Josh Bellamy. You're really looking for uh, Javon Williams to really step up. And if one injury happens to that wide receiving core, you're not going to be in a really good position. Well, at least Conley would have another year to kind of get that leg right. And the Bears, they seem to have really bolstered that strength and conditioning staff that maybe that can help them regain a little bit of that athletic ability. But those are very good concerns to have uh, when in terms of Conley. And again, uh, the whole receiving class as a whole is very mediocre at best, which is a good thing the Bears made their splashes last year when they did uh, with Allen Robinson with a Taylor Gabriels because this year it doesn't look anything like last year's class, and the Bears definitely lucked out getting some of those guys last offseason. All right, real quickly on the rest of the offense, I'm going to lump together offensive linemen and tight end. I don't know if any of you have an offensive lineman. I do not. The Bears have their starting five back. I figured if they're going to bring anyone in, it's either going to be uh, someone at the vet minimum later on in free agency or potentially through the draft. So I didn't list anybody. And then with tight end, let's actually begin at tight end because the Bears did re-sign uh, ben Broniker earlier today, two-year deal, uh, appears to be locked into that third tight end spot behind Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. Uh, let's go to Brandon first. Because I know you like Ben Broniker, and I want to make sure to kick it over to you uh, first, at least once in a while. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ben Broniker coming back? I like him. 
I mean, he, he's a smart guy. He's a tough guy. He doesn't, you know, go out there and give all the, the flashy stats. He'll get a reception here and there. But for the most part, really good special teamer. He works hard, uh, plays hard. I, I think it's a very solid signing, a good guy that you want in the locker room because he's going to go out there and give it everything that he's got to try and move himself up the depth chart. But I, I like the signing. Yeah, it's good depth. And you can tell at the combine, Ryan Pace was very high on both him and Daniel Brown. I still wouldn't rule out Brown coming back to Chicago as well because he's like, yeah, we feel really good. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. About those guys and mentioned them, and I forgot what reporter followed up with, like, well, they're still, they're up for a contract. He's like, yeah, well, we're working on that. But he's talked about all of them as a group, as a collective. So it seems like they want to keep most of the band together, minus Deion Sims, which is no problem over on our end here. Um, but I'm curious, do you guys have any other thoughts either on Ben Broniker, any other tight ends uh, that you're keeping an eye on? I don't have any listed. Well, I feel really lazy today by saying this a lot, but I don't really anticipate them making a big splash at the position, I guess is the best way I can say it. Let's go to Will first. Any thoughts on just tight end in general? I'll go off of uh, Broniker. I believe it's uh, Bali said uh, everyone needs a Ben Broniker, and uh, I think it's good. I think uh, he showed some upside last year. There were a few big plays that he had. If I'm not mistaken, he had a pretty, I think, about a 20-yard catch in that playoff game, if I remember right. I was at that game, and I was freaking out the whole time, so maybe maybe I'm remembering a different game. But he did show some flashes in the brief amount of snaps that he had. Um, so we'll see maybe if uh, he will continue to develop more as a, as a pass catcher. But at the very least, they retain a style locker room guy. You mentioned that those tight ends will work really well as a group. I think it's a good re-signing, and obviously the money was pretty – Pretty good uh, overall for the Bears and I think Ben Broniker as well. So good signing. Uh, it's it's the stuff that you like to see overall. Yes, the price was right. And let's go over to Nick. Any thoughts on Broniker? Any other tight ends that you think are worth mentioning? You know, I had Tyler Eifert as maybe an option on one of those. I talked earlier about those one-year prove-it deals on those former first-round picks that have had injuries in their in their career. Well. Uh, Tyler Eifert fits that mold, and I think, well, prior to uh, maybe Ben Broniker signing, that maybe this would have been an option for the Bears. Now, probably not so much. He's not going to put add any value on special teams. He would is a red zone threat, or he was 2015. Uh, he caught what was it? I think it's 13 touchdowns. Yeah, 13 touchdowns in the red zone. So obviously a, a pass catcher that could you know, be uh, utilized in Matt Nagy's system. But now with Ben Broniker there, I don't know if the Bears are going to, with such a limited cap space, you know, put some of that towards a tight end, which is really risky. Hasn't been healthy since that 2015 season. But that was a guy that I did have on there. Might as well share it because I did the homework. So Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And now we don't need to do that when we get to slot corner. I think we all went through all of our options there that we may uh... – Maybe wasting our time just a little bit. But all right, guys, do you have any final thoughts on offense before I kick it over to our SeatGeek Ed? Yeah, I was looking at Max Williams as tight end. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that lines up wide outside the numbers or in the slot or runs any of these over the middle routes like we see Trey Burton doing, but 16 receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown. And he's a healthy tight end. 
I mean, I just kind of expect him to be one of those guys that fights for the roster spots two through the bottom because Adam Sheen's still a question, you know. So that was the only reason I looked at Max Williams. Max with two X's, right? Correct. Thought so. Going once for offense, twice. Sold to the highest bidder. And our highest bidder is our friends at SeatGeek. Now, let's go ahead and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, uh, someone that we wouldn't be here if not for them. So I want to tell you a little bit about SeatGeek. Getting tickets to your favorite game online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know exactly who you should trust. And that's why we're proud to partner with SeatGeek. And really, they are the way to go. What makes SeatGeek unique is that they can pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's something quite like being at the event that you want to be at in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all of us have the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices, by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets um, in the past I've used it for both Chicago Bears games, Blackhawks games concerts, Nick's use it for a variety of events as well and it's just one of our favorite ways that we can shop for tickets. One reason why I really like them is because I can go ahead and set a budget for the event that I want and then instantly sort by best value. That way I know I'm only looking at the tickets uh, the best tickets for the price that I'm willing to pay which is a really useful feature that way you can make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. So SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. So go ahead and make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts the comedy and theater today. And the best part of all is that our listeners do get $10 off that SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That is promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So if you're looking for any event coming up in a you know, relative future, definitely check out SeatGeek and don't forget to use that promo. That way you can save a little bit of extra money along the way. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Rose Little Wit. I'm joined by my three co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano, Brandon Hazlett, and Will Ingalls. And yes, some people would call them my brothers who also like the Bears. And we are now moving on through our free agency primer, and we are switching our focus over to the Chicago Bears defense. And I want to begin a defensive line because in an attempt to create even more space this year, Ryan Pace converted Eddie Goldman's $3 million roster bonus into a signing bonus, and that savvy move opened up $2.25 million in the cap. Not an eye-boggling number, but one that's definitely going to create some flexibility down the road. I want to go over to Will first. When you saw, uh, again, this, just this small move earlier this morning, uh, what did you initially think uh, about it? Because obviously it is going to open things up uh, here as we enter free agency. Um, it kind of threw me for a loop because if I thought anyone was going to get restructured this offseason, it was going to be Khalil Mack because he would open up the most space. You'd open up around $8 million. So, and obviously, anytime you restructure someone's uh, contract or salary into a signing bonus, it'll create space that year, but obviously uh, make things a little bit murkier and, and uh, heavy down towards the end of that contract. So obviously you don't want to use that utility and create that space unless you need to. That way you have that flexibility in years down the road. But if there is anyone I thought was going to be Cleo Max. So this one kind of threw me because it seemed like you're trying to create space, but you're obviously not going to make a big move. Um, I, I don't know. It just when it was done at the start of the day, I was like, maybe he's making a move. Maybe he isn't. It just seemed like an odd middle ground to take because it's not exactly a move you need to make until you're about to sign that player. So it's not like, especially within the legal tampering period, it's not like those numbers become official. So you can technically sign those players and then retroactively do, like I mentioned, uh, restructure, uh, sorry, Khalil Mack. So 
don't know. It just kind of threw me for a loop. It really kind of confused me. Uh, I, I understand that overall this uh, free agency period isn't going to be the fireworks show that we had last season. But it seemed odd to create space, but not enough space to really make any large moves with it. So I think the move confused me more than anything else, to be quite honest. Will, do you know what this move was? What? This is Buster Scrine right there. That's the money for Buster Scrine, all right? <laughs> no, I think he's off. Uh, I think he's getting paid a little bit more than 2.25. Nick, do you remember the numbers? Um, no. Nope. Of course I don't. Um, That's fine. I, I, don't it. I don't need Somewhere. it. I don't need it. I was just Are trying to make sure? commentary. Hey, I, that I was Ben Blocker's paycheck. That's what it was. That's true. It, it was a three-year hey. deal worth $16.5 million with 8.5 guaranteed. Yeah, see, a little bit more. No, this actually is a more aligned of Broniker, someone who we just talked about. So it is more keeping your own and keeping the same cap use. So, I mean, that's not a bad way to go about it either. Again, like Will said, ideally you want to open up more, so then you do have increased flexibility to make a big-time move. But, again, this could be an offseason with just a lot of supplemental people uh, and not a lot of those big splashes, which is a good thing because we don't need those guys uh, as much as we're sitting here in March really wanting a little bit more to talk about than a Buster Scrine and a Mike Davis. God, name again. Proud of myself. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Guys, uh, raise your hand. Do you have any defensive linemen on your short list? Do edge rushers count? Uh, I was going to go to outside linebacker next, and I think that counts a little bit more. Okay, then I'll, I'll wait for outside linebacker. Hey, Brandon, guess what? <laughs> what? It's your lucky day because we're moving on outside linebackers. No hands were right. raised. So do you want to kick it off? Do you have a name or two? Yeah, I've got about four, actually. Uh, and, and none of these guys are like very productive. I think some of these are just cheap one-year uh, gambles, see what they can do. Because uh, this position is really just a lot more depth with Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd being the obvious starters there. Uh, but I'm looking at Shane Ray. He's had a nagging wrist injury the last couple seasons, but he did have eight sacks back in 2016. So he's shown that he can get after the quarterback. And right now, I think you just sign him solely on potential just to a one-year deal and potentially get out, depending on what he does. Uh, and then Andre Branch, he's 29 years old. Uh, so he, he's a little bit older, but he's never been a high-production sack guy either. But he's consistently been the guy that gets uh, plays in the backfield. Over the last three years, he's had 11 and a half sacks and 18 tackles for a loss in that same time span. So he's a guy that can also make some plays as well. Uh, Vinny Curry, he's 30. Again, a little bit older. He's had he hasn't had more than three and a half sacks since 2015, uh, and in the last three years, he's had eight sacks, 21 tackles for a loss. Uh, again, in those last three seasons, so still a very productive guy. Then lastly is Marcus Golden, another guy that could potentially be signed on. Uh, you know his potential because uh, in his first two seasons, uh, he had quite a few sacks. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like 16 and a half. Uh, but last year he only had two and a half sacks. But he had an ACL tear in 2017 that really hindered his development. So it'd be a guy that you know you're hoping can explode on the scene with some potential. It's just a rotational piece. Eddie Goldman would be doing that whole cliche, you know, this town ain't big enough for the two of us with two Goldmans. That's true. That's a lot of gold. It surely would be. Uh, Nick, I want to go over to you. Uh, for me, obviously, I mean, I have a few other names, but one that we talked about in the past that I wanted to make sure to bring back up was the Terrell Suggs, but he since did decide to go back to Arizona, decided to Cardinals, and by a go back, I mean his college days, not here in the pros, obviously, as he's been a lifelong Raven. But, Nick, how about you? Any outside linebackers still on your radar? No, actually, I wasn't really looking at that position. The one guy that I actually wanted to ask you guys about, and if the Bears are out for it, uh, most likely his destination is going to be in Denver with Vic Banjo. Aaron Lynch, is that a guy that you would like to see back if it was for an affordable deal? He provided some nice depth as the outside linebacker there. I don't know. I think that just looking at who's available, 
what the Bears could do if he can come back on, you know, a favorable deal. Would you guys want him back? I think I'm leaning towards the yes. I don't know how the Bears will get that done. I think he's destined to go with Vic Fangio. He got the best out of him in San Francisco here with the Bears. Don't think he'll stay with uh, Chuck Pagano as a new defense coordinator. But I think it's a guy that would like to see back. Don't think it's realistic. I just wanted to see if that was a guy that you guys were what, – what your opinion was on, on Aaron Lynch. Must be very, very cheap deal if he's you know for the six games that he's going to be available to play. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, but I see it on the surface. I mean, he wasn't terrible last year when he was out there. Obviously, uh, we actually were very surprised by uh, what he was able to provide a win on the field. The big question and concern, of course, and it's always been throughout his career, is availability. Then, of course, the Vic Fangio effect. How real is it with them? Because you've mentioned it. Vic Fangio always got the best out of him, either in San Francisco or when he got reunited here in Chicago. So, for me, no, I'd move elsewhere uh, just because of the durability concerns. And I, I really do think that with Lynch, he, uh, Fangio is someone who can really motivate him and get the most out of him. But I'm curious, Will, you seemed a little perplexed by uh, you know, Aaron Lynch. I'm curious your thoughts on that. And, man, he needs that Fangio fire. You aren't going to be able to do that callback many more times on this show uh, with his recent uh, change of address. Um, I don't have a problem with Lynch. I kind of agree with both of you guys that it's got to be pretty affordable if that's going to happen because, what, his contract was one for six last year? He'd have to take a pay cut off of what he did last year, if you ask me, especially to be on this roster that obviously lacks cap space at this point. You aren't going to be able to give $6 million to a guy like Aaron Lynch uh, unless it's like $2 million guaranteed and $4 million in incentives, $3.5 million of that being can you play 12 games? Um <laughs> So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, I don't mind him coming back. I don't. I, I think that would kind of go with the mantra of an underwhelming free agency so far. But I wouldn't have a major problem with it. I mean, that's kind of retaining someone who you saw what he could do and it was solid for what he did. So I don't think there's a massive problem with him coming back. Um, but as your third pass rusher now, it almost feels a little underwhelming. Also, keep in mind they lack that fourth spot too because Isaiah Irving's also a free agent. Mm-hmm. True couple of holes to fill which means it's time to go right back to will because uh, you're next up on the docket of any edge rushers here that you're paying attention to um one that i have my eye on maybe a little bit more than i should is jamie collins actually um i think he's done some decent things in cleveland i don't know what his price tag will be um he's racked up a lot of tackles but uh and he hasn't always lined up at that edge rusher spot they kind of uh greg williams had him bouncing around a whole lot uh, but he has shown the ability to get after the quarterback from the edge position before. He might be an interesting guy to kick the tires on. Obviously, the big ticket item right now is uh, Justin Houston. Mm -hmm. I, he's a guy that budget-wise does not make a lot of sense. Um, but I haven't had a chance to look at the 2020 pass rushing market. Um, it could set up in a lot of the ways that the 2015 market set up. And if you remember that situation, Pernell McPhee, which I, I'm sure a few Bears fans are familiar with the name, kind of took that like third position role behind Elmas Dumerville and then Terrell Suggs in Baltimore. Didn't rack up a whole lot of mileage, um, but still had a productive season. I want to say had seven and a half sacks. And then he got paid in the offseason big time because he was about the only pass rusher available. Houston kind of do something like that, sign a large one-year deal with the Bears, be in that third position, which you don't quite know if he wants that. But he could basically create a feature year for himself, kind of uh, allow himself to rack up a lot of sacks based on the guys being tired, not ready for kind of his style of pass rush uh, while switching out with a Leonard Floyd or maybe a Khalil Mack. 
get those stats up and then uh, go elsewhere. That's kind of not a likely option, but it's something I bet you Brian Pace is kicking the tires on for sure. But one guy that I haven't heard a lot of, Jimmy Collins would probably be my one guy I would mention along with him. See, I don't know how expensive Houston would be. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. With his age, his injury concerns over the last few seasons as well. And again, uh, it's hard to really determine market for a lot of these players, especially when you have guys like Landon Collins uh, landing uh, the kind of contracts that he did earlier today. But It's Washington. That doesn't count. Okay, okay. Uh, but like with Houston, I mean, he had nine sacks in 12 games. Uh, his pass rush productivity was fifth in the league for players who played at least 50% of the league high 607 pass rush snaps last year. Uh, just for like comparison sakes, that was tied for Daniil Hunter and was slightly above Avon Miller. And obviously, uh, he only had what 374 pass rushes last year. I'm fine with that same kind of number again next year, maybe up to even 400, 450, if you want to have him in that third role. And again, I don't know if, A, he would play a lot, depending on kind of the role he would expect here in Chicago and how expensive he would be. Because, again, he could garner a lot of money. He was due for a ton of money in Kansas City, which is the reason why he was let go. Uh, teams weren't wanting to take on all that cap space through a trade, so now they can barter that price down a little bit. Uh, depending on how low it goes, I would keep the door open for Houston. But again, if it's up there in the eight to nine, even ten million dollar range a year, then I would probably look elsewhere because that would eat up a lot of the Bears' cap. And then the other name I already mentioned on the podcast during our Save the Franchise for the Defense, um, but I still like him. Uh, his name is Anthony Chicolo. Uh, again, he's not going to be a world beater. Uh, he only had seven sacks in the past three years. He's uh, not a big play performer, um, but he's a decent special teamer. I still believe he's a slightly better and more durable version of an Aaron Lynch. He's a grinder kind of a player. He's not super athletic, but he's people can wear down opposing offensive linemen and win with some secondary moves. I still think that would be an improvement if you're looking for that fourth guy in rotation, like the Isaiah Irving replacement. And we still don't know about Kylie Fitz. So if I'm looking for that third, fourth rusher with some upside, I look at Anthony Ciccolo out of Pittsburgh. Again, uh, not a huge household name, but again, this could be an offseason where you're not going to see a lot, if any, of those household names come to Chicago. All right, guys, up next on my list, I have slot cornerback. Does anyone, uh, did anyone else, actually, that's all I wanted to ask, did anyone else have Justin Coleman on their short list? And then he signed that big deal today. I had him on mine, and then he signed with the Lions uh, hours before the show, four years, uh, $36 million. Um, but that was the one. I also had Darkeese Denard on my short list as well. Uh, he was someone who was solid. But again, uh, we are going to go with, what's his name? Buster Scrine instead. So. Anyone else have any final quick thoughts about slot cornerback again? Buster Scrine, any revelations? You're doing better with that name than Mike Davis. That's about the only thing I've <laughs> hey, Mike since. Davis is two generic names squished together. <laughs> I don't blame you. I butchered it more than you have this entire show, and I said it like twice. <laughs> Buster Scrine is unique. To, like, it's original. With, trying to come up with like more words as I looked down at my paper like, oh, God, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm just going to roll right through here, and let's get to safety. Obviously, it's a flooded market this year. 
uh, could potentially bode well for the Bears. Obviously, we're in a need of signing potentially one of these guys. Uh, we already mentioned Landon Cowan's huge deal from Washington, six years, $84 million. And it was also reported that the Bears were pursuing Eric Weddle before he decided to sign with the L.A. Rams. Uh, so, Nick, I want to go over to you. Does uh, both Cowan's' payday and the fact that the Bears were looking at uh, Eric Weddle kind of tell you that Adrian Amos is more than likely out of Chicago? Absolutely. I think when I read that the Bears were interested in Eric Weddle, that's when I knew Adrian Amos most likely wasn't going to come back. And then you see the monster contract that that Collins signed, and no way is Adrian Amos going to get that type of money. But you just see what what some of these safeties are going for. Tyron Matthew, you know, just signed with the Chiefs. He's making a boatload of money as well. So I just don't see it happening. I think the Bears are going in a different direction there. And a guy that I like is uh, Adrian Phillips from the Los Angeles Chargers, a guy that's really versatile. And when I was watching him, his coverage really stood out to me because this is a guy, remember when the Chargers were playing those last couple of games of the year, they had almost six DBs on the field at each each time, and they were having their DBs play middle linebacker. Well, Adrian Phillips is one of those guys who was just in the middle of the field, blowing up runs, was able to still get back in coverage, get to his spots, and guard, you know, whether it was a linebacker or a tight end coming out there. That's what I like from him. I think that Let's say Adrian Amos does go, which I think is most likely going to happen. You can bring in an Adrian Phillips, a guy who is an an undrafted uh, free agent out of the University of Texas in 2014, goes to the Chargers. It was able to, you know, just work and then able to get into that starting lineup and just be what he what he is now. In 2018, he made the Pro Bowl for special teams, a guy that you can plug into the Bears defense and he's going to give Chuck Pagano options just because he's familiar. He's played cornerback. He's played safety. He's played middle linebacker. So a guy that's versatile, and I think Chuck Bagano could do a lot of things with a guy like that. So that's the safety I'm looking for, someone who's not going to you know, cost the money that a Collins is getting or Tyron Matthew. Even Adrian Amos is going to get in terms of money. Adrian Phillips, a guy that I think could do a lot of good things, still can get better, but he's just versatile. And that's why I think he stands out for me as opposed to some of these other bigger name safeties because you're going to have to pay them. It, that's what it's looking like, and everybody's getting overpaid right now. I think this is kind of one of those under-the-radar kind of guys where, okay, the Bears can sign him. He'll be a serviceable, serviceable player for Chuck Pagano's defense, and he'll do some good things for them. All right, so Nick wants to go from one Adrian to another. Brandon, how about you? What safeties are on your kind of radar here? I'd like to keep our Adrian, but I don't see that happening. So that's unfortunate. But I was also a fan of Adrian Phillips as well. I'll just throw that out there because of what Nick said. He's very versatile. But uh, throw uh, another name out there I was looking at. Oh, I've got his name right in front of me here. Why can't I find it? Uh, Darian Stewart. Uh, he's 31 years old, was the safety out of Denver. Uh, and when I look at his stat line, he's had an interception every year since 2014, which is nice to know this is a guy that can – I don't want to say consistently get a turnover, but you know he's going to be reliable as far as getting one. He had two interceptions last year and then three in 2017 and 2016. And, and you know, despite him entering his 10th his year in the season, he still put up 60 tackles last year. So he's still a, a productive safety that I think you can put either in the box or have him uh, play, I don't know, we'll call it right field since I Jackson's got center field. Uh, we'll, we'll call it right field where Darian Stewart can go out there and play coverage as well and still get out there and, and bat some passes down and be reliable out there. All right, Mr. Ingles? Um, a couple names. Um, Adrian Phillips was my number one guy. Uh, Nick really covered him really pretty well. Um, but a couple guys, um, Deshaun Gibson, I think is someone that 
could also fit in here. One of those guys that was released. So again, going back to compensatory picks, that's a, that's a beneficial guy to bring in. Um, a big ticket guy that we haven't heard a lot from this point. Maybe I just haven't uh, seen the news so far, but LaMarcus Joyner has not really been a name that has gotten a lot of traction. Really liked what he was able to do in Los Angeles for the Rams this past year and in years prior to this one, even uh, not a lot of traction picked up on his name. Maybe he's a guy that kind of falls through the cracks a little bit and uh, the bears can pick him up for probably less than what he's worth. Um, but he, if you ask me, Earl Thomas has never been a guy that I've really ever considered because he expects two years for, sorry, 30 million over two years. That just is not going to happen. Joiner might be a guy who I think is kind of a premier guy. I think he's one of those top three type players between Thomas and uh, Collins, and maybe you can throw uh, Tyron Matthew in there as well. Kind of the cream of the crop for this year's safety market. Um, You might be able to get him because – surprisingly out of all the safeties he really has not been mentioned to this point which makes you think that the price is kind of dropping a little bit so that's one guy that I have my eyes on um and then kind of my backup at this point or like I said my number one name still Adrian Phillips but then Sean Gibson's my other guy to list as well see when I was looking at Gibson the one thing that concerned me I'm just curious to your uh, thoughts your will is that he doesn't seem like he's much of a box safety and he looks more like an Eddie Jackson out there so we would have two of the same kind of style of safety. Would that be worrisome? Because I don't know how they complement one another. Um, to an extent, I think the Bears, uh, if the Bears had another kind of Eddie Jackson-like safety back there, if you're talking about having so many blitz packages, you're going to be filling up a lot of those gaps at the line of scrimmage with Trevathan and Roquan Smith more often than you had with uh, Vic Fangio. So is it a bit of a hindrance at times? Um Potentially, yes. Uh, he's not going to fill the box like an Adrian Phillips or an Adrian Amos. He will not. But I'm kind of willing to sacrifice that to uh, allow for better pass defense in the back end, especially with how much uh, Chuck Pagano likes to blitz. So that's kind of my trade off with that. Your, your concern is valid. But I just uh, I think with what the Bears want to do, I think Gibson might be able to fit that bill. At the very least, he might actually be an interesting piece to fill in as a nickel at times as well, because he's such a coverage guy. So he could be a real utility guy for the Bears as well. Interesting. And then if you have to, if you have to, you can put Dion Bush back at that safety spot um, who has played better in the box uh, for the most part, because I don't think we really got to see because Adrian Amos played all the games this year. We didn't get to see Dion Bush play where I think he's really best at, which is box safety. We had to see him as kind of that Eddie Jackson type role, which isn't what he does best. That's not why we drafted him. Did I think he was a great draft pick at the time? No, but I think he's developed into at least a reliable box safety who can do a lot of the stuff that Amos did. So if you bring in Gibson, you can move them all around the field kind of as that utility guy. I would almost kind of uh, – kind of, I wouldn't say poor man's car uh, – sorry, um, Micah Hyde. Uh, he kind of reminds me of that utility type player as a defensive back. All right, really good points here, Will. Appreciate the insight there on Gibson. does seem like it would be a better fit than once kind of, you know, preconceived over on my end here. One other name just want to throw out there uh, would be Trey Boston. Obviously, he did ball out during his one-year prove-it deal in Arizona. Uh, throughout his 77 career games, he has 13 interceptions, about 30 PBUs. Um, he's also shown that he can come in on the blitz. Uh, he has three career sacks and a forced fumble. Uh, last year, he only allowed a 61 passer rating when targeted, uh, which was the sixth best among all safeties. I know he is someone who got a little miffed last year when the market wasn't really uh, where he thought it would be. Obviously, the market's a little bit higher now. Uh, for safeties, but Trey Boston, someone that I would kind of keep uh, tabs on as well as we go out throughout the week. Uh, but guys, real quickly, I'm just curious: does anyone have any kickers or punters that they want to talk about? Show of hands. I do have a kicker. 
You didn't show your hands, so it doesn't count. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I freaking, you know, here for everyone watching, I am raising my hand. Okay, go ahead, Nick. I So it's weird because the Bears have brought in two guys, and I'm blanking on his first name, but I know his last name. Blew it? Like, as a kicker? Come on now. Like, that's just like, I don't even know. It, it's It's like Ryan Pace is just toying with us at this point with kickers. But if the Bears do decide maybe to go that veteran route for a kicker and not draft one, which I think that's what they're kind of ended up doing with bringing in these young guys so far, I'm still I'm still in favor of Matt Bryant being a guy that the Bears can look at. A guy, he's 44 years old, age really not too much of a factor with kickers, but look, he was 20 of 21 for field goals last season. Uh, 57 yards was his long, um, 33 of 35 from extra points, a lot better than what Cody Parkey obviously did last year, would I guess for the position would ease Bears fans, I think, just with what he's able to do. I know he pri- you know, uh, primarily kicked indoors, obviously, with the Falcons, but it is an upgrade over Parkey. Gives a little bit more stability. You're not allowing or not relying on these younger guys to potentially show up, which it could be an option for the Bears, obviously. I think that could be an option. I don't know if Ryan Pace is going to throw a lot of money again at the, the, the kicker position, but he might have to just to solidify it. So Matt Bryant, possibly an option, maybe not. The Bears might go end up drafting a kicker with maybe that seventh-round draft pick. So that's just a guy that I'm looking at. Well, since you're very passionate about the kicker position today, what about uh, Steven Gostowski? Obviously a little bit more expensive, a little bit younger. Would you uh, kind of peek in and see what's going on over there? You might as well. I think the Bears need to look at all options because they can't come down to this 2019 season same exact scenario where they have to make a kick to win the game, and it's a double doink. So Steven Kostowski, he's kicked on the biggest stage before. Obviously, he missed a field goal in this past Super Bowl, but in previous years, he's been reliable. He's been one of the better field goal kickers in the league. He's going to require probably a good chunk of change, though. But I wouldn't hold it against Pace to look at all his options. He's going to do that. So anything is an option for the bears in the kicking situation cuz they need to solve it for the 2019 season and beyond. All right, I'm going to move right through special teams. I don't think we need a conversation on punters unless you guys really want to. I think we can just let that one uh pan out and we'll just discuss as we figure it out uh what's going on there whether it be O'Donnell coming back, them signing a free agent punter, them drafting a punter. We'll figure that out. Uh, but I want to go ahead and jump right into our fan questions because we did get a few before the show. I'm just going to hand one to each of you since we are a little strapped for time due to the breaking news that kind of took the beginning portion of this episode. And the first one's actually going to go to Nick. And it is from Tristan, our moderator. So, Nick, uh, it's going to be from Tristan, like I just mentioned. But I meant to say, Tristan, uh, thanks for all the moderating. Uh, the consistently, we do appreciate all the work that you do there here on the YouTube chat. Um, but the question is, Nick, do you have uh, players that have been linked to the Bears by others that you would actually be opposed to the Bears signing? Ooh, that would be opposed to the Bears signing? Um, not necessarily. I, I really don't – I just don't know what the Bears are going to do in terms of free agency. And the moves that they've made so far, not really – I guess I'm not too excited, not too down about it, just because I just don't know what the Bears are really up to. Because we talked about Eddie Goldman and then restructuring that contract. I'm just expecting something big. And we've heard the Bears being linked to Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if I'm really for that move just because of what uh, it's going to take in terms of cap space to sign him what he demands as a player for his production. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? 
Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Being a guy that you need to orient a offense around him, he's going to get a lot of touches, a lot of receptions. The Bears don't really do that. So in terms of what the Bears could uh, for being linked to possible players and Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if I'm for that move. I want a guy that he he's not going to require the ball you know, every other play. He's going to be someone – I'd rather have a running back that you don't need to keep feeding him like – Every single play like a Jordan Howard or, you know, maybe a Le'Veon Bell. So maybe that's a name. Yes, you'd make the offense great, but I don't know if it's realistic in Chicago. All right, next question. I'm going to take it over to Will. It's from Cass, and it's a very smart question. Uh, do you think that any AAF players are going to factor into free agency prospects, especially when we get closer to camp season? Um, the one person that I might keep an eye on uh, would definitely be kickers at this point. Um, you're kicking at a really interesting point of the year in regards to weather. Um, I can't remember his first name, but Koo, the guy who plays for the Atlanta Legends, I think has done some decent work to this point in the year in the AAF. Uh, has definitely been a clutch kicker for them at this point. Uh, his game winner wasn't from a long distance away, but neither was Cody Parkey's, and we saw how that went. Um, so <laughs> as far as uh, those kinds of prospects, that's where I would really look as kind of those skill position spots. Um, because honestly, at this point, I think watching AAF for me really shows you that there's, uh, you'd be surprised at kind of like the talent gap between the NFL and everyone else. Um, and that really shows with a lot of skill positions to this point, I haven't really seen a lot of people that would really fit for the bears. I mean, you mentioned tight end, there really isn't a whole lot of, uh, really isn't a whole lot of talent there. I mean, maybe uh, Escobar, because uh, he's playing with the San Diego Fleet. He's a guy who has NFL experience. If we're looking to bolster that tight end spot, maybe he's a veteran they can bring in. But overall, just not a lot of guys uh, that really stand out to me. The running backs sometimes do well, but I think it's really hard to gauge how good they are with uh, offensive line play being spotty at best in a lot of those. Uh, and honestly, just a lot of missed tackles, too, by d- uh, the defenses in that league to this point. It's just kind of really tough to gauge uh, AAF uh, talent to this point. Um, I'd be more comfortable outside of like the skill position, like I mentioned, uh, for kickers. Uh, I would mainly stick to the draft and UDFA for finding those uh, guys like running backs and uh, really late uh, receivers and tight ends because you're really able to hit on those, especially with the guy like Ryan Pace calling those shots. So not a lot for me, but maybe keep an eye on some kickers because I think that's where you might be able to find a reliable one. All right, really hitting those kickers hard here to end off the show. Brandon, next question goes to you. It's from Lucas, and the question is, I understand being biased uh, towards the guys that you draft, but why is everyone so upset that we might be moving on from a couple of players? I'm assuming this is more about Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. Uh, he mentions that, of course, it's part of the business in the NFL, and uh, you know, people let players walk every year. Yeah, yeah I think it's... You know, obviously you draft these guys, you watch them build up, especially Adrian Amos is a guy who we've seen was a starter and then got benched for Quentin Demps and got his redemption time. Uh, and then he's ended here in a, in a career year. Uh, he had a career last year. He ended up with 73 tackles and a couple interceptions, which we were clamoring for years how he never had an interception. Uh, then he gets one, then he gets two more. So it's uh, just the fact we've watched him grow up in front of our eyes. He's always been a solid player. I think he's maybe – I don't even think he's missed a handful of games. I think maybe three is the most that he's missed. So he's just been a guy that's been consistently out there, very reliable. And I think that's why it's hard to see him walk. 
Uh, Bryce Callahan, again, was an undrafted free agent uh, who, again, just grew up right in front of our eyes, was always the sticky guy, but always seemed to have these injuries. But because we know what he can do, it's really hard to watch him walk and go. So I think it's uh, really for those reasons where these guys were drafted, I think really just played a big part into Callahan. Well, Callahan didn't get drafted, uh, but where Amos was at, fifth rounder, uh, it's hard to see a guy who you know gets drafted that late, becomes so good, uh, and then have to walk. Yeah, I think it just comes down to having a lot of homegrown talent, and it's a little bit uh, – it makes one a little bit bitter sometimes when you have to let one of those players go or multiple players like that go. And here in Chicago, when we went almost an entire decade without having impactful players at all, uh, to have some that we had here come to Chicago and uh, develop them and watch them grow – like you said, it's going to sting a little bit, but it is the nature of the business. So it is now the Buster Scryan show. Uh, the safety is yet to be seen. And, yes, the name is Mike Davis. <laughs> you know, I, just to kind of go off that a little bit, I mean, it's interesting kind of having to watch players walk. I mean, you think about the last real impact player the Bears have had that you had to watch walk out the door and play for another team, Matt Forte. Mm-hmm. Is that really the only one? Jake Cutler, you can maybe argue for, but he's so divisive. I think the one player that in recent memory that has really hurt to see suit up in another color would probably be Matt Forte. And I mean, that's been, it's going to be five years starting uh, this season when these guys will be suiting up is since the last time the Bears have really had a player like that exit stage left. And what, before that was Charles Tillman and then maybe Julius Peppers? And that was years ago. I'm not sure about Julius. I mean, Julius Peppers obviously played for, like, another team. But, yeah. Um, well, Julius Peppers, did he leave after 2013 or 2014? I can't remember. I'm on the spot, I I, know, one of the two. How about that? One <laughs> of the two. I know it was one of the two. I know he played for some of Trestman's stay. I don't know if he played for the second year. But, I mean, the, the point remains. It's been a long time since we've had a team that will have players like this. You know, you have to replace them. And you look at a team like the Patriots, they're constantly replacing guys. And it's not easy to watch them walk out, but that's how they do it. And they've been successful. It's all about adding talent. And you have to have faith in a guy like Ryan Pace, who will continue to add players to the draft and through deals and free agency. You don't see the Patriots adding a whole lot of big names through free agency. They're not paying guys $20 million a year. They're able to find the right talent. So if anything, it's kind of uh, just stick to the plan with Ryan Pace. Don't panic. You know, Buster Scrine and Mike Davis, um, you know, aren't, aren't going to be the big splashes that, especially after watching last year, that you want. But this is how good teams operate. This is how good teams add talent when they've already got one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's how you have to function and how you have to work. So stick, stick with the battle plan very early in free agency, and like we spent nearly two hours, sorry, hour and a half talking about today, there's still a lot of names out there. There is, and on top of that, you know, even though, even though Buster Scrine and uh, Mike Davis, geez, that name, I don't know what about it, makes me want to call them <laughs> other names, uh, but even though they, <laughs> excuse me, maybe like underwhelming signings, this is Ryan Pace who got guys like Tracy Porter, you know, guys that we had no idea about in the past and then ended up being pretty serviceable players uh, down the road. Obviously, we've upgraded since. But just keep in mind that Ryan Pace has found a value both through the free agency and the draft in the past. So even though right now he may be a little underwhelmed, uh, A, there's like we mentioned, there's still more fish in the sea to come out. And B, uh, these guys can have a bigger impact than we anticipate here in 
uh, the first part of March. Still plenty of an off-season to go, and we can definitely give you a better report once we get down to training camp later on in July. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Bears Fan. I want to thank everyone who joined us for this live show, and of course to the thousands of podcasters. Uh, podcasters, that's a good word. But how about podcast <laughs> listeners uh, worldwide? A very special thank you to you as well. Uh, we'll be back throughout this week as soon as any major breaking news occurs throughout this free agency frenzy. Hopefully Ryan Pace and the Bears can get the players needed to take this thing to the next level. So for Will Ingles, Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, I'm Russell DeWitt signing off. We'll talk to you soon. But until then... Bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.